There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. All right, folks, time for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast, and I am personally excited about this one. We are kicking off a series where we are spotlighting the speakers at this year's Innovation Conference in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. I sent 18 emails to 18 speakers and gave everybody the opportunity to come on the show, uh, get us acquainted with who they are and what they're doing. You know my affinity for cool people doing cool things. As it turns out, Danielle was the first one to schedule time. So here she is, which means that she gets to be released first before any other speaker. Uh, so no pressure, Danielle, but you're the first one. So everybody's coming after you. Uh, she is Danielle Smink. She is the founder and CEO of Canyonlands Insurance, uh, which is an aggregator alliance. I'm not sure what terminology she wants me to use, uh, but you guys are based in Arizona, right? We are. Fantastic. So Canyonlands in Arizona, I think the name kind of makes sense there when you start to consider that. So <laughs> Danielle Smink, thank you so much for joining us here on AFP. Why don't you tell everybody who you are and, uh, and what you do, and we'll just get started from there. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on this, and it's awesome that you're spotlighting the speakers. It gets everyone an understanding of what they can expect going to Nashville and gives them, yep. you know, like a preview and a flavor of it um, as well. So this is really cool that you're doing this. Yeah. And the great thing is these things live for a long time. Like the people are definitely going to listen to this episode long after innovation happens. So we're not just going to be spotlighting and previewing. Hopefully uh, there, there's an opportunity to get into some meat and potatoes content uh, and you can share some of what you're going to be doing uh, in innovation. So there, you know, there's real value and not just some little extended commercial because that wouldn't be too much fun for anybody <laughs> listening out there. So uh, Danielle, why don't you give us your background? Uh, what's uh, what's your story? What got you here to this point in your career? And my follow-up question is going to be, what's the deal with Canyonlands Insurance? So that that's my setup for the second one. Absolutely. So I've been in the industry for over two decades. Um, now that's two decades, I'm like, oh, that, that definitely ages me. Um, but I'm so proud to have chosen this industry. So I was an elementary school teacher, taught sixth grade, had a company that did events, I'd make more on a weekend than I did all month teaching and decided that I was really supposed to be an entrepreneur, but I looked at insurance as an opportunity to educate people about protecting what matters most. So I started off as a captive agent and quickly found that I could not write commercial insurance, which is what I really wanted to do. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So I ended up uh, going independent and found uh, Canyonlands and Ken Walters, who's my business dad, who started us off and he took me under our wing. And we were very small. It was just a bunch of us country agents that just didn't fit the contract of what country was anymore. Uh, they were really focused on financial services. And I really did want to do the commercial. So I was our first agency that got a commercial contract and then grew that from there. Uh, really proud. Our group today is 60% commercial, 40% personal lines. And uh, it's interesting that you say, like, you know, what do you call us and what do we do? Um, you know, a lot of us that are groups have been around for a really long time. And I always stayed away from like the word aggregator. It sounds like aggr- like aggregating. And then cluster sounds like, well, you know what? Um, so I always think of this as a group or a network um, for agencies where they have benefits and resources. So when you ask, you know, why CLI? Um, we've been around almost 22 years. Uh, we've seen the changes that have happened in the industry. It definitely has changed a ton, especially in the last 10 years with technology really being vamped into the agency force and with all the, you know, the tech insurer um, really out there now compared to before. I remember 2006, I did a DocuSign initiative with one of our agencies and everyone thought we were crazy. Like, what is this e-signature thing? And now it's like, that's just like expected. So we definitely test out technology for our agencies. We bring an aspect to agencies that helps them no matter what stage they are at. So I call it the ABCs of agencies as far as your life cycle, your career within your agency, which is A, you're an aspiring agency. You've been around for less than five years. You're really trying to figure out how this all works from an owner aspect, from the sales aspect to maybe hiring and growing and managing all those things all in one. And then B, you're in the building stage. You've gotten past the first five years and you may be doing acquisitions and you'll, you may create your own like niches with commercial or even personal lines. And then C is the continuation and that is your perpetuation plan and what are you going to do next? And so we help them through every stage of that and help them not feel like they're alone. And we walk them through those steps. So I think that makes us really different. And the relationships we have, I'm very fortunate that with the agency owners that we have a very close family type of feel as a group. So we may be one of the smaller groups out there, but we like it that way. I have a thing called the road to 200. Once we get to 200 agencies, we are not going to be adding anymore. We may be doing trade outs maybe um, because an agency retires, but we really want to make sure that we're giving our agencies that feel of personalized attention, no matter what part of their agency life cycle they're in. When someone asks the question in any of these social media groups, hey, I'm considering joining an aggregator cluster alliance network, whatever you want to call it, uh, there is the usual suspects that always get bantered around. Uh, everybody at this point knows that I'm part of SIAA, which is the largest in terms of number of agencies and written premium by a lot, The by, by a lot. Totally different vibe though, completely different vibe very big dog and others like Keystone and Iroquois and Pacific Underwriter. There, there's uh, four or five that are always in the national picture, but then in the smaller, more personalized attention, you know, you have some really big raving fans. And 
out of respect for what you guys are doing, I'm not going to name the other smaller shops that I, I think a lot of people would probably consider to be quote unquote competition for CLI. But every time that thread comes up, CLI is getting tagged, you're getting tagged two, three, four, five times by people that are really, really happy that they are in CLI. Why, why do you think that is? When and Please feel free to openly promote CLI here. Like you don't have to be pretending you're unbiased at all. Like it's your baby. Go ahead and tell me exactly why CLI is better than SIAA and Keystone and the other big boys. All of that. You feel free to just do whatever you want with the answer. But why should someone consider CLI or a similar smaller network over one of the big nationals? That's a great question. So when I first meet an agency and when our team first meets an agency is first and foremost, it's about fit. So all groups, they're not all evil. Like I'm not going to badmouth them or bash them no matter what size they are. I'm going to ask you questions that you should ask yourself before joining a group. So they're just basics um, that you have. Like, what do you want from your agency? What type of carriers do you want? Um, you know, is there a buy-in, a buy-out? I see too many agencies that get stuck in really bad contracts for them that, that they didn't think about when they were starting off or yep. even like later with growth and it like prohibits them from growth. So number one, I think we get recommended because we are willing to say, hey, we may not be a fit for you and you may not be a fit for us. And that's okay. Let's have a conversation and let's find where you're supposed to be, right? And I always look at us as... Um, almost like the Jerry Maguire syndrome where it's like, you know, he leaves a big firm and then goes somewhere smaller to create something that is very boutique and special. And so when he says, help me help you, um, I think I say that a lot to agency owners, like not mm -hmm. trying to like imitate Jerry Maguire kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. But that really like my goal and my team's goal is to always be of service. And so we're there to take care of the agencies. And sometimes I think groups look at it as like the agencies owe the group something. And, mm. and they're not in that the, each of the agencies are of service to the group. And I think that gets twisted sometimes. So that's something that we really try okay. and focus on is making sure that we know who we serve and take care of. So I'm curious, in your Jerry Maguire analogy then, which mm -hmm. one of your agency partners most reminds you of Cuba Gooding Jr.? Oh, gosh. Uh, agency partners? Uh, Ken Wakeham. Okay. Absolutely. I can see that. Oh, my gosh. Ken, Ken and I haven't spoken in, in, in a long time. He's uh, yeah. he's quite the character. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I can totally see that. <laughs> What's that? Lots of energy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you are a speaker in innovation. Obviously, that's one of the main reasons why we got connected for this interview right now. What do you talk about in Nashville? So I'm going to talk about leadership. And I've seen all types of leaderships within our group and across the industry. I've uh, been fortunate enough for, you know, almost two decades working on agency councils with carriers and, you know, sometimes running that council and, and seeing what happens with that of leadership. And there is sometimes a disconnect between what we think we should do as a leader and what we should say as a leader and really how to be honest with ourselves. So there's some leadership lies that we tell ourselves, right? And yeah. so those are the things I'm going to unwind for them and do what it'll correlate to when I get there, but I'm not going to give it 100% away, but do sure. surgery on 
um, those le leadership lies and then come back and finish it at the end of it, you know, be able to show agency owners how to teach their team not to lie about leadership and what it mm. really means to be a leader. So I'll give you an example. So one of the things with leaders is that um, often we tell ourselves that we need to be not transparent. Right. There's certain things leadership should know. There's certain things that the team members should know and that transparency is a bad thing. Well, I mm. found the more that I've done it in my career and the more I've seen it, and especially with groups, too. A lot of groups are not transparent. And one of our goals as a group is to be transparent. So like we share our carrier reports, we share things that most groups wouldn't share um, with our agencies. Like they know exactly what the whole profit share is for the whole group, not just them, but the whole group. Like we like carriers coming out with checks. So within their agencies is that they will keep things from their team that if they were transparent, the team would behave in a better way and they would get better performance if they were actually being open and honest with them and open and honest with themselves. So like sometimes, like I still have my own agency and sometimes guess what? Sales is not hitting where it needs to. Sometimes like with large commercials, sometimes you lose a large commercial account and agency owners try to hide financially how that hurts them. And that if they didn't, if they would just lean in with their team and just let them know like, hey, like we need to overcome this as a team. We're doing this as a team. We're moving forward, you know, financially. Um, I don't want you guys to have any doubt that your paycheck is good. I don't want you to have any doubt that we're going to overcome this because they know you lost the client. They don't know what happens after that. Like most leaders don't even talk about it. And so assumptions are made because there is no transparency. So that's like the, one of the number one things that I see that can be a breakdown. And you may lose great key employees because they're, they're making assumptions that are false because you're not being transparent as a leader. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who is it, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. Now, that's fantastic. Uh, transparency is essential, in my opinion. You, you want to talk about breeding loyalty and fostering this sense of we're in this together. There's a lot of power in, you know, expressing vulnerability mm -hmm. uh, in, in being real about a failure. You know, I, I had, I'll, I'll share, share, send some light on something that may have been a little bit of a cryptic uh, post. Uh, I shared on, uh, on LinkedIn and, and my, my personal Facebook yesterday, it simply said, uh, leadership means eating crow when you're out of line. It means 
apologizing quickly when a wrong is pointed out to you. And finally, and this one's really important, I think, humility speeds up reconciliation and recovery. And what I was talking about there was very simply, uh, I was apparently just eating some salty pills a couple of weeks ago, and there was a conversation in IAOA, uh, and Michelle uh, Moshman from uh, Florida, I took some things that she said out of context and took exception to things that I interpreted that she was not meaning, and went, you know, went on a diatribe. And my good friend and older brother, uh, Dave Carruthers, was like, you are so out of line. Like, I don't even have words for you over an apology. And what are you doing? What is wrong with you? Why did, why did you engage in that kind of dialogue? And so I, I had to call her up and was like, I am sorry. I took what you said out of context. I was having a bad day and a bad week. And I came in hot. And you didn't deserve that. You, you shouldn't have to put up with that nonsense from a peer. I apologize. And it was like, that is what leadership looks like. like you, you and I are both leaders in our peer group in the industry. That is required behavior. We have to lead out in vulnerability. We have to apologize quickly when we screw up. We both of us inevitably will. Uh, quite a bit, probably. That's part of what being a high growth, you know, high scale leader looks like as, you know, as Theodore Roosevelt said, you know, I'm paraphrasing this badly, but if you're not failing, you're not trying hard. Like if you win a hundred percent, well, you're probably not winning big. So I love what you're saying about leadership. Uh, it's thank you for sharing by the way, because I know, uh, as a speaker myself, you don't want to give away all the good stuff. <laughs> Because some people are going to listen to this before Nashville, and some people, unfortunately, won't get to hear you in Nashville. And a lot of people will listen to this months and years after Nashville has already happened. So uh, there's a fine line to walk between uh, what you're willing to share now as we record six weeks ahead of Nashville. So, um, but yeah, that's anything else you want to unpack about leadership or best practices that you've experienced in your agency or as the, the head of CLI? Yeah, I think what you said is funny that you say Theodore Roosevelt. One of the uh, authors I really love and speakers is Brene Brown, and she has a book called Daring Greatly that comes from one of uh, his quotes, and yep. um, it talks about vulnerability and shame. And um, yep. and so, like, um, I wrote a book, and you said I could curse, which I try not to do too many um, during it, but don't protect, project your shit on me is what my book is called. And so oh, nice. exercise that um, I've been doing for a long time with my team and it goes to being transparent is going and when you're at, it's called clearing the table. So sometimes we do stuff and we don't want to own it. And you gave a good example of, you know, stepping up and clearing the table and owning it. Right. So when you sit across the table from somebody and that's when you're connecting, you don't have to be at a physical table with them, but when you come to a table and you can feel how heavy it is between one another that you're not connecting. That means each of you are throwing your own shit on the table, right? And it's completely stinking up your conversation. It's completely ruining your ability to connect with one another. So we have an exercise called clear the table. If I can feel it instead of like shuffling it and not like approaching the person and not, you know, being accountable or having them be accountable to how, you know, what's bugging me. I clear out the stuff that has nothing to do with them first, right? 
I ask them to do the same thing. We talk, we get it out, and we clear the table. So how can you connect with people if you don't take accountability, if they don't take accountability, and especially if they're projecting stuff onto the table between you, or if you're projecting stuff between each other too. So it really comes down to, you know, clearly communicating with people. And that's a very difficult skill because even if you're like, I try to stay very mindful, like, am I communicating clearly with people? But even if I didn't, um, I'll give you an example. I gave one of my team members uh, basically a 10% raise. I thought that was awesome. That's more than what standard, right? And yeah. I communicated their worth and how much I appreciated them as a team member. And I could tell at the end of it, they were not happy. And it just happened to be I was going to the next appointment and then I was going out of town, right? So there's a snowball effect that I can't finish the conversation. I know it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. I know it didn't go the way that other team member wanted it to go. And so when I came back from my trip, I said, we need to sit down and clear the table. After we got off, done with that meeting, I don't think you felt very good. I didn't feel very good. Where was it that we disconnected? And so we went through that exercise and then we were able to connect and communicate at that time. So I think one of the misnomers is, is we can't connect and communicate from the get-go at one conversation. It may take several and that's okay. Just get to clarity, but always be respectful when you're clearing the table too. Um, so I think it's really important that don't try just once, try a couple times and you may need to, to have the transparency and the communication that's clear um, with, I mean, even your spouse, I do it with my spouse like too, yeah. like kids, right? So probably even spouse. more so with your spouse, right? Cause if yeah. you're good at it with your spouse, I mean, the rest of it is cakewalk by comparison, right? Oh, heck yeah. I've been married like over 20 years. So, uh, it makes it a little bit easier. We kind of know each other. We have like key nice. signals of like each one going rogue and mm. not, not taking the accountability or not communicating. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's some people out there that, you know, live or are married to their client, uh, but mm -hmm. almost everybody isn't. So if you can navigate the spouse relationship correctly, then man, clients and, and agents in your network are going to be cake by comparison. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. That's yep. really good advice, Danielle. You know, as we, as we, you know, wrap this up, land the plane on the next few minutes, uh, what else do you want to touch on? I, I, I know we have to be mindful of not stealing too much from, uh, from Nashville, but Anything else you want to lay on us with lessons you've learned or leadership best practices? Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest message and takeaway that you would get from, you know, coming to hear me talk about leadership and the lies that we tell ourselves and the truths that we need to embrace is really is that we all do it. We've all done it some place in time. There is no leader that is perfect at their business. There just isn't. It doesn't exist. We have moments. And I think the biggest thing is, even if you have a bad moment, learn to, to forgive yourself, move on from that moment, and then do better next time. And we need to expect our team to do that too. Sometimes our, our teams have one bad moment and they're like, and we go to strict, like straight to like, we should fire them. Right? But think about how many times we've done stuff where it's like someone would look at us and go, you should be fired. And so I think we need to keep that in mind that there are moments that people have that are not great, that includes ourselves. And then sometimes we need to not be judgmental on those moments. Is it a moment or is it actually 
who they are essentially. And this is going to be like a pattern. And we need to differentiate before we let our emotions get in the way and we do something that we'll regret for our business. The the story that comes to mind is a, a team member uh, here at Riskwell who was, she interviewed very well and uh, she she came in with a full head of steam. This was about a year and a half ago, fairly early in our life cycle. We're three and a half years old as an agency now. But it became very clear to me that she was the right person, but she was in the wrong role. And in the role that she was in, certain negative attributes, or not even really negative, just challenging attributes in her personality were fostered and were encouraged because of the role that she was in. And we didn't have the role that she needed to be in. It didn't exist yet. Uh, only in the last six months uh, does it exist. Um, but you know, for a year after she left our team, the role that she's better suited for simply didn't exist. So we had to have the hard conversation of, hey, you know what? Your character is not suspect at all. You are who we thought you were. Mm -hmm. You're just not in the right role. You're not a good fit for our team. And we don't think it's fair to you to have you stick around because this is not like a situational thing. This is more of a global, like big picture, 30,000 foot sort of thing. We don't think it's a good fit. Like situationally, yes, but more holistically, probably not a good fit. And so, you know, she was given an option of uh, a couple of paths to take and she chose to resign and leave. And, you know, I'm reminded of that when you share your story of you got to figure out, you know, is this an infraction? Is it a situational thing or is there a bigger problem that this is an indicator of? Uh, that's really solid advice because it's so easy in the moment just be like, you did what? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> and that, I mean, you know the talent marketplace better than I do, right? Like this oh, yeah. is a really, really hard talent marketplace right now. Like, don't lose your good people. Good, good folks are very hard to find right now. And they're even harder to keep because everybody wants them and they're throwing a lot of money at them. Mm -hmm. So, yes. wow. Definitely putting them on the right seat on the bus. I mean, we good to great and there's a ton of other yeah. that talk about that. And we have lots of people in our organization. I mean, Alicia started off, she's been with us nine years. She started off in personal line servicing. She had come from Old Navy beforehand, so she had good, like awesome customer service skills. Um, and then she grew through personal lines into commercial lines, and, and now she does our financials. So, and but we did it because we talked and we listened, and we figured out what worked for her. And commercial, you know, she could do it, but it wasn't really working with her strengths. So we were able to position her somewhere differently. But if we would have kept pushing that she had to have that one role and not be open to it. Um, you know, even when she was frustrated with that role, you know, uh, we wouldn't have gotten our great financial person that we have now. Hmm. Got to keep that open mind, right? Don't don't be mm -hmm. too quick to, to rush to judgment because, you know, once something comes out of your mouth, it's impossible to put it back in. Like words put out into the universe never come back. They always have some kind of impact. Anything yeah. else that you want to share before we uh, land the plan and get you back to your afternoon? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you just talked about like um, in those moments where you're going to judge, 
Um, I walk around like a crazy person. I love my Fitbit. I walk around all around the office, but especially if I feel like I'm about to say something I'm going to regret, I'll just say, Hey, give me a moment. I just need a couple minutes to think about, you know, what's going on here and I'll be right back. How often do people actually do that to physically remove yourself from a situation that it's going to go downhill? Like you can feel it's going downhill. You're yeah. going to say something you shouldn't. They're going to say something you shouldn't and, and just have the guts to say, I respect you too much to continue this conversation. I'm going to go take a walk around. And when I come back, it'll give us some time to, you know, hopefully move in a more forward direction. Um, it takes a lot of training to do that because people are not used to people doing that and being willing to say like, I don't want to ruin what we have here, you know, by continuing this conversation. So mm -hmm. I go out of the building, I walk around and then I figure out, clear my head, come back to them. And usually it's been, you know, it's not escalated anymore and you just can get back to connecting with that person. Mm. I love that. It, it feels like we're almost cheating. Uh, with our current office setup, because for one, it's 1,250 square feet in my office and mm -hmm. we have somewhat thin walls. I like to joke that the walls have ears around here because <laughs> if you're having a serious conversation in the office, anybody in those 1,250 square feet can hear what you're talking about. So we're, we're in this commercial condo setup here with 18 buildings and a lap around the complex is almost exactly half a mile. Mm -hmm. So you better believe we do some walking up in here for sure. So that's, again, man, you're three for three with your advice. Imagine that. No wonder you're a speaker at <laughs> innovation. No. What's the best way for somebody to, to reach out if they're curious about Canyonlands, if they want to hear more from you? Uh, what's the best way to connect? Yeah, so um, we're Canyonlands, but we um, really are trying to rebrand us into CLI Select. Um, we have agencies that are, you know, east of the Mississippi, and it does not make sense Canyonlands for somebody that might live in Georgia. <laughs> so yep. like Ken, right? So it's like just, Ken. Yeah. It's just DS at CLI select.com. It's that easy. Easy enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good deal. Well, she is Danielle Smink. Did I say it right? There's no S no C H there in the middle. There's no Schmink. It's just Smink. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, people can definitely catch you in Nashville at the Innovation Conference. If you want to get your tickets for innovation, if you happen to catch this before then, it's innovation22.com. And uh, Captain Dave will thank me for plugging uh, his ticket sales. There you go. Uh, thanks for being here, Danielle. This was a really great little uh, miniature episode. And we will uh, we'll talk to you again soon, I hope. Yeah, thanks for having me. And also, I do the golf tournament for IAOA, so I would love to see you out on the course, too. So, Oh, that's, that, that's yeah. a Thursday morning, isn't it? Yes. Yep. You know, there's a, there's a bourbon tour uh, going out that morning, so unfortunately, I have to miss golf <laughs> this time. But one of these times, I'm going to catch the golf tournament. I just, no. When, when you're 6'6", <laughs> and you have clubs that are adjusted, like the, the open face and shaft length and everything, Playing with rented clubs is just a different experience. Oh, no, you got to so, bring them. I bring my clubs everywhere. So, yeah. And well, I that's an idea. Too, so well, I, what do you do? Like yeah. travel with a hard case or something? Uh, no, I have a really cool soft case that has like a, I'm a big Hawaii person. So it's got like hmm. bicycles on it. Honestly, I've never traveled with my golf clubs before. You just opened my eyes. I, I never considered being one of those people in the airport that has their golf clubs with them. 
Which, of course, you being in Phoenix, that makes perfect sense. Because, my yeah. gosh, I've never seen so many golf clubs on an airport turnstile before. Mm-hmm. It was like 30% bags and 70% golf clubs. It's like, I'm missing the boat here. I need to come to Phoenix and play some golf. Yeah. So, we real quick, before we go, what's your favorite Phoenix golf course? I know we're right here at the end of the episode, but i got to ask. <laughs> um, I love Gold Canyon Di- Dinosaur. Um, it's east of the valley area. It overlooks, like, the whole, like city and mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible it gives you a flavor of what arizona is what er, people think arizona is really like gold canyon dinosaur mm-hmm. okay gold canyon dinosaur i can't think of a better way to end uh this little miniature episode of afp she is danielle smink master golfer as well as <laughs> the head of cli select and speaker at innovation This has been AFP, Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. 
So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.